الله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Really the praise belongs to Allah we praise him seek his assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds whoever Allah guides there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there is no one that can guide him i bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshiped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and i bear witness that muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger i'd like to begin this evening lecture number 38 from the sharh or the explanation of kitab at-tawhid alladhi huwa haqqullah ala al-abid ba al-imam muhammad ibn abdul wahhab ibn sulaiman at-tamimi al-najdi rahimahullah in this chapter Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah has continued to discuss the topic which we discussed in the previous chapter the topic of some of those matters or the specifics of some of those matters which are considered as shirk asghar or minor shirk that is related to expression the expressions or the speech that is considered as a type of shirk in the previous chapter which he entitled wala taj'alu lillahi andadan and don't make andad for allah don't make anyone or anything as an equal or a partner or an associate with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and those things that are exclusive to him he mentioned the saying of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhuma in which he explained that ayat to include minor shirk while it was revealed in reference to major shirk while it was revealed in reference to the major shirk shirk akbar of the Quraysh the pagan Quraysh but he explained that it also includes minor shirk and then he mentioned a number of things such as the one who says mashallah wa shit yani associating the will of any of the creatures as equal with the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or laula fulan yani if it wasn't for so and so or if it wasn't for laula Allah wa fulan if it wasn't for Allah and so and so or swearing by other than Allah making an oath by other than Allah all of these he explained that all of these are expressions that are a form of shirk shirk asgha which doesn't take a person out of Islam however it is severe especially if we consider that it is akbar al kabair is the most severe of the major sins it is greater than the other major sins uh, and sheikh muhammad ibn farid utaymin rahimahullah in his sharh of that chapter the previous chapter which we didn't have a chance to mention he discussed an issue which we'll just mention in passing and that is whether or not shirk asghar would be forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the scholars differ about shirk asghar minor shirk is it forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a group of the scholars said that it is forgiven that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might forgive it if he will because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran that he doesn't forgive a shirk but he forgives anything that is less than that to whomever he will those scholars said that a shirk here it means major shirk and he forgives whatever is less than that meaning minor shirk or the major sin some of the other scholars including Shaykh Al-Sabbath Ibn Taymiyyah said that in this ayah in the Quran the meaning of shirk is general and the way it comes in the Arabic language is mentioned as a nafira sirg nafi that means it is an indefinite noun which came after negation and this is understood in the arabic language to mean that it is in the absolute sense therefore shirk according to shaykh al-sam in taymiyyah here in this ayah it means 
major shirk as well as minor shirk. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't forgive major shirk nor minor shirk. Therefore, if a person committed minor shirk, they would have to be punished even if it would not cause them to remain hellfire forever. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not forgive it. In any case, it's an issue that there's difference of opinion about it amongst the scholars about it. And just mentioning it in passing because we are continuing with this topic of those things which are minor shirk. This chapter is entitled Bab Maja'a Fi Men Lam Yaqna'a Bil Halafi Billahi Men Lam Yaqna'a Whoever is not satisfied or convinced Whoever is not convinced Bil Halafi Billahi Whoever is not convinced uh, or satisfied by an oath that is made in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that somebody swears by Allah and the person who they have made this swearing in front of is not convinced. They are not satisfied with them swearing by the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Imam mentions only one evidence in this chapter, which is very brief and for that reason, we will discuss it and then go on to the following chapter. Uh, he mentions the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Ibn Umar رضي الله عنهما أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال that the of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم he said لا تحلفوا بآبائكم لا تحلفوا do not it is a prohibition do not make an oath or do not swear by your fathers by your forefathers by your ancestors as was the common practice amongst the Arabs however the meaning of it here is not يعني exclusive to swearing by one's ancestors but do not swear by other than Allah by anyone or anything other than Allah the Prophet said لا تحلفوا بآبائكم don't swear by your fathers the first prohibition in this hadith is the prohibition of swearing by other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which means swearing by other than Allah or his names or his characteristics his asma wa sifat then the Prophet said من حلف بِاللَّهِ فَلْيَصْدُقُ Yani the person who swears, who makes an oath upon any matter, he said, then they should speak the truth. مَنْ حَلَفَ بِاللَّهِ About any matter, whoever swears by the name of Allah in any matter, فَلْيَصْدُقُ Then he must, فَلْيَصْدُقُ Then he must speak the truth. That means it is haram for a person to use the name of Allah in swearing upon something that is false. Whoever swears by Allah, in the previous chapter, we mentioned, or he mentioned the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, that whoever swears by other than Allah, then they have kafara or ashraka. And here he said, not only the one who swears by other than Allah, but if you swear by Allah, there is also the condition that you must be truthful in what you say. And whoever an oath is made for him, and in order to convince him, whoever someone swears upon something for him, then he must then he must be pleased with it he must accept it he must be satisfied that somebody has sworn by the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and some of the scholars said that an Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab he mentioned this particular matter and its relationship to a tawheed is due to the fact that swearing by the name of Allah is a serious matter when we understand the greatness and the glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it is obligatory on us to exalt and to glorify Allah then whoever swears by the name of Allah out of respect and honor and exaltation and glorification of Allah we must believe or we must accept what that person has sworn upon the scholars give some uh, detail concerning this matter and this is not an absolute principle however it is a general principle that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says here مَنْ حُلِفَ لَهُ بِاللَّهِ فَلْيَرْضَى Whoever, someone has sworn before him, then he should be pleased, he should be satisfied and he should accept what they are saying. It is a general principle. And as we will discuss, perhaps if there is time, any, the explanation of Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen, in which he has divided the classes or the situations that may come under this uh, statement, into different categories and the one who knows for sure or who is pretty much 
certain, and it is more likely that the person who has sworn is a truthful person, then they must believe them. And if the opposite, they know for sure that the person is lying, or it is most likely that they are lying, then they are not required to believe in him. While if the possibility of being truthful or lying in this matter for that person, if it is equal, then also you must believe in him. Because this is an exaltation and glorification of the name of Allah. That whoever swears by the name of Allah it is sufficient for us. It is that it is our glorification of Allah that when somebody swears by the name of Allah, then we accept it. We accept it. And if they are lying, then the lie is against them. And the exaltation or glorification of Allah in accepting what has been sworn upon by His name it is for us. And then He said the final statement: "For men lam yarba falaysa min Allah." And whoever is not pleased, whoever is not, whoever doesn't accept or is not convinced by one who has sworn an oath in the name of Allah, فَلَيْسَ مِنَ اللَّهِ Then such a person is not from Allah, meaning that Allah has no relation to that person. Allah declares himself to be free from that person. He has no relationship to that person. That person is not someone who has a connection or relationship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because the people of Tawheed who believe in Allah, they are convinced and they are pleased when someone has sworn upon a matter using the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Shaykh al-Qara'awi, Hafidahullah, says in the general meaning of this hadith, in this hadith the Prophet ﷺ has prohibited anyone to swear by other than Allah. And in the first point, Allah, the Prophet ﷺ has prohibited to swear by, to make an oath by other than Allah. Because this requires that a person will يعني, exalt or glorify one of the creatures or whatever it is that they are swearing by. And they will place themselves in a state of humility or submission or humbling themselves to something other than Allah, the thing that they swear upon uh, as a means of glorification of that thing. And Islam has not allowed that we should exalt or glorify anything other than Allah or that we should submit ourselves or humble ourselves to other than Allah. After prohibiting the swearing by other than Allah, the Prophet ﷺ ordered that whoever swears by Allah, and we are obligated if we swear to swear by Allah alone and not by other than Allah, and whoever swears by Allah, that person should be truthful. Because as said the truthfulness, it is a virtuous, praiseworthy and noble characteristic without swearing by Allah. So what about if the person has confirmed their oath by swearing by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It is required of the believer to be described with the praiseworthy characteristics and from amongst the most praiseworthy and noble characteristics is being truthful. Then what about if someone swears by Allah, how much more then is it required of that person to be truthful in their speech? Then the Prophet ﷺ ordered the person المحلوف له يعني the person who someone has sworn in front of to convince them he has, he has commanded that person to accept the excuse of his brother Muslim يعني who is swearing by the name of Allah when that person makes an oath in the name of Allah as long as he is not absolutely certain that the person is lying and as long as he doesn't have certain proof that the person is lying then he must accept the oath of the one who swears by the name of Allah. Because this is thinking well of your brother Muslim, and likewise, although he doesn't say it here, most importantly, it is exaltation and glorification, ta'zeem of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whose name is being used in that speech, that we are being requested to believe. Then he says, and whoever is not pleased, then he doesn't have any relationship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Shaykh mentions the benefits from this hadith. He mentions four things. The first of them is the prohibition of swearing by other than Allah. And it is haram. Tahreem, al-half, al-half, bighayrillah. The second of them is jawaz. The permissibility of swearing by Allah as long as the person is truthful. And the third of them is tahreem, al-half, billahi kathiban. And it is prohibited to swear by other than Allah. And it is also to sw- prohibited to swear by Allah upon a lie and that thing in which the person is not truthful. And the fourth is wujub or the obligation of ar-rida, of being pleased with the one who has made an oath for you in the name of Allah. And that is as long as one is not absolutely certain that the one who is swearing 
is lying. As long as one is not absolutely certain, then we should accept. It is sufficient for us that they have sworn by Allah, we will accept this. Even if a person has doubt about the truthfulness of that person, but they are not certain. Or, as some of the scholars said, even if they know that they are lying, as a means of not belittling or degrading or thinking little of an oath made in the name of Allah, on the surface at least we accept it. And we will not deny that which someone has sworn upon by the name of Allah. Though we will not act upon what they have said, but we will not deny it while they have sworn by the name of Allah, according to some of the scholars. And some of the scholars said that this particular hadith, the scholars differed about it. Some of them said it is in reference to the person who stands before the judge in the court, where two people have a dispute. If one of them swears by Allah, they said, then the judge will accept their oath. And therefore, the one who, has, who is in opposition and dispute with them should also accept it and leave it as that. The court will rule in the favor of the one who swears by Allah, and therefore, the one should accept it. The other scholars said it is not limited to this, but it is general and open to any situation where one swears by Allah that we should be pleased with their swearing by Allah and accept it as an exaltation and glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, and even if we know that it may not be truthful or we believe that it will not be truthful, but we still accept it and uh, for the sake of yani not degrading the oath that is made in the name of Allah. And some scholars said that they, you should make a distinction between those who are known to be liars, who are known to be lying, and those who are known to be truthful, who are known that it is known that they are telling the truth. If it is known that someone is telling the truth, then it's obligatory to accept what they have sworn upon by the name of Allah and to act upon it. And if it's known that they are lying, then it is not obligatory to accept what they have sworn upon or to yani, be pleased with yani, their oath that they have made. Right. Then uh, the Shaykh mentions the relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion. The relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion is that this hadith indicates, yani as the Imam entitled this chapter, what has been said concerning those who are not satisfied or convinced by that which is sworn upon in the name of Allah. He said this hadith is a proof that it is obligatory to be pleased. It is obligatory to be pleased with... Uh, in the situation where someone has sworn upon, upon something in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The relationship of this hadith to the general topic of tawheed is that this hadith indicates the obligation of being pleased with whoever has sworn upon the name of Allah because being pleased with what they have sworn upon is a means of ta'zeem for Allah, exaltation of Allah and that is a part of the perfection of tawheed, kamal tawheed. Yani the perfection of our tawheed is that we are pleased when someone has used the name of Allah. It is a means of glorification and that is part of Tawheed, that we glorify Allah by accepting the statement that has been sworn upon in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, the material that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab mentions at the end of the chapter, He has mentioned three issues, or three important matters. The first of them, al-nahyu an al-halaf bil-aba, that it is prohibited to swear by one's fathers, yani ancestors. And this is based on the saying of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, And this nahyi or prohibition, it indicates that something is haram. Al-nahyi lil-tahrim. This is a qaida, general principle that al-nahi is for the thing that is prohibited. When we are yani, told not to do something, it means that thing is haram. The second issue, al-amru lil-mahlufi lahu billahi an yarda. The command for the one for whom the oath is made in the name of Allah, that they should be pleased, that they should accept what has been sworn upon. And this is based upon the saying of the Prophet sallallahu Whoever someone has sworn by the name of Allah upon a matter for him. They have sworn by the name of Allah for him. Then he must be pleased. He must be satisfied and accepted. The third issue, the threat for the one who is not pleased when someone has sworn with the name of Allah upon a matter. And 
he says that this is based on the saying of the Prophet وسلم, in the end of, end of the hadith that whoever is not pleased من لم يرضى فليس من الله whoever is not pleased then he is not from Allah meaning Allah is bariun minhum Allah has no relationship to him then Shaykh Muhammad Nisarib Uthameen Rahimahullah mentions the fourth issue of Rabia which is not originally from the Messiah of Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab he says Rabia walam yadkurha al-mu'allif that the author Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab has not mentioned this issue and that is the command for the one who swears al-halif the one who is making the oath and yasduqa that the one who is making the oath is ordered that he must be truthful uh, he said being truthful is obligatory when we are not making an oath so what about when you are making an oath and it is obligatory to be truthful in your speech in general so what about when you are making an oath in the name of Allah it is more obligatory that you must be truthful then the Shaykh says uh, that previously we have mentioned the one who swears upon the name of Allah lying يعني, uh, in the previous chapter and the scholars call this al-yameen al-ghamus to swear upon something which is not truthful in the name of Allah and some of the scholars said that the more correct opinion means to swear upon something which is not truthful using the name of Allah in order to take or to acquire the property of another Muslim then he says as for the one for whom the oath is made the one who someone is trying to convince by making an oath in the name of Allah he says is it required that he must believe such a person is it required that he must believe the one who has sworn by the name of Allah for him he said this issue has five conditions and there are five circumstances that are possible in this situation the first two is the one who knows that the person is lying he knows that the person is lying then nobody claims that he must believe that he is truthful if you know that he is lying the second of them is if it is more likely that he is lying although you are not absolutely certain but it is more likely that the person is lying similarly it is not required it is not obligatory to believe that he is truthful the third is if the two matters the possibility of him being truthful or lying are equal in this case if, even if it is equal that it is possible he is lying or possible he is telling the truth in this case it is obligatory to believe what he has said the fourth possibility is when his truthfulness is more likely but not certain it is obligatory to believe that he is truthful and the fifth situation is when we know for sure that the person is truthful then it is obligatory to believe uh, what he has said and in other words if we are certain or it is more likely that he is lying then we are not required to believe it and if we are certain or it is more likely that he is truthful then we are required to believe it and likewise if they are equal the equal possibilities then we are required to believe such a person then he closes this section by saying this is in the matters outside of the Sharia in general matters of disputes between people or differences as for al-umur al-shari'ya fi bab al-tahakam but when there it is in the matters the legal matters of the Sharia where there is a judge making a ruling between the people or a judge making a ruling between the people then it is obligatory to be pleased with and to accept an oath and to adhere to what the acceptance of that oath requires and if somebody swears by something in the court in a legal matter and the judge accepts their oath then it is required to be pleased with that and to accept it and then to adhere to whatever is required by the court in that matter after the person has made an oath and this is uh, comes under the title of being pleased with the legal ruling al-hukm al-shari and being pleased with the hukm shari a legal ruling is obligatory on the Muslim is obligatory we have no choice in the matter uh, the, the questions or perhaps we'll save the questions for the end somebody just remind me about the questions so that we don't leave without looking at them the next section uh, or maybe we can look at the questions quickly the first question is what is the relationship of this hadith to the chapter of a tawheed explain and is the relationship of this hadith to the chapter of a tawheed is that this hadith makes us to know that when somebody has used the name of Allah to confirm the truthfulness of what they are saying then in glorification and exaltation of Allah 
which is part of Tawheed, we must accept and be pleased with what they have said. This is the relationship to Tawheed, that accepting what somebody has said when they have sworn by the name of Allah to confirm their truthfulness, it is required of the believer to accept it. That means it is a part of Tawheed. It is part of the perfection of Tawheed to be pleased with whatever has been said and sworn upon by the name of Allah. Number two, are we required in every case to be satisfied with what has been sworn upon in the name of Allah explained? Yani, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymin and other scholars have explained that there is some difference of opinion in this matter. However, the most comprehensive explanation of this is that whenever somebody swears by the name of Allah, it is better, even if we don't believe that they are truthful, and even if it is likely that they are not truthful, it is better to accept what they have said, to show that we respect the name of Allah, even when somebody is lying. If somebody swears by the name of Allah, Allah's name is too great. The mention of Allah is too great for us to reject when somebody has used his name. However, in reference to the question, are we required in every case, other scholars said, no, that if we are sure that they are lying, we are not required to accept it, and if we are sure that they are telling the truth, or it is more likely, then we must accept it, and if it is equal, equal possibilities of being truthful otherwise, then we must accept it. Yani there are different opinions concerning this matter, the best of them is that we should accept whatever has been said in the name of Allah, uh, and we will, yani, whatever we have lost, or whatever any loss we have taken in this matter, we will take it from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or Allah will, will recompense us for that in that we have given up something for His sake and for His glorification. Mention the shurut or the conditions that must be observed when taking an oath, yani halif. The conditions are number one that we should only swear by Allah, we should not swear by other than Allah and number two when we swear by Allah we should only tell the truth. Number four, what is the state or the condition of the one who does not accept what has been sworn upon in the name of Allah when he has no other reason to believe that the person is lying. And if you have no reason to believe that someone is lying and they swear upon the name of Allah and what they are saying and you don't accept it, what is the condition of such a person? That person is as the Prophet ﷺ said that whoever is not pleased with what is sworn upon in the name of Allah فَلَيْسَ مِنَ اللَّهِ that he is not from Allah yani Allah is free of him. Allah doesn't have any relationship to such a person. And if we have no reason to believe or no proof that the person is lying, then we are obligated to be pleased with that which is sworn upon in the name of Allah and to accept it and to act upon it. The next chapter, which is also a continuation and detail of the previous chapter that we took last week in reference to those statements which are minor shirk. Uh, from amongst those statements that was mentioned by Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah as being under the title of don't make anything as a mid or dad with Allah was those who make someone or something equal to Allah in al-mashia, in Allah's will. Believing or thinking or saying on one's tongue that something happens by the will of Allah and the will of someone other than Allah. Yani making them equal to Allah, that their will is equal to the will of Allah. The Mashiach of the creature is equal to the Mashiach of Allah. This is the bab, qawlu ma sha Allah wa shi'ta. The saying, whoever says ma sha, it is according to the will of Allah wa shi'ta and according to your will. Yani what has happened, it is according to Allah's will and your, your will. And he narrates here the hadith and Qutayla Qutayla she was the daughter of Sufi she was a Sahabiya and Muhajira a woman companion of the Prophet who had made hijrah from Mecca to Medina and Qutayla anna yahudiyan ata al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam faqal she narrates that a Yahudi a Jew came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and said innakum Tushrikuna Taquluna Allah wa shi'ta He said to the Prophet that you, meaning the Muslims, Tushrikuna, that you make shirk with Allah. And then he explained what he meant by that, what shirk? Taquluna, you say, Allah wa shi'ta It is your it is Allah's will and your will. And this is a proof that even the people of Shirk, like the Jews and Christians, that they understood what was shirk. And they knew that there was a type of shirk that was other than major shirk. They knew that there was shirk in alfaz, in expressions. 
And many of the Muslims today don't know that there is shirk in the speech that they say. There was a Yahudi who know that there is shirk in what we say. He said, you people say, it is Allah's will and your will. وَتَقُولُونَ وَالْكَعْبَ And you also swear by the Kaaba. And this is also shirk, swearing by the Kaaba. Because an oath can only be made by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For his names and characteristics. And the Kaaba is not one of the characteristics of Allah. It is a creature. It is something that Allah has created. Makhluk. Wal-Kaaba. Even if it is the sacred house of Allah, Baytullah al-Haram. But it is what Allah has created. After saying this, فَأَمَّرَهُمْ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ إِذَا أَرَادُوا أَنْ يَحْلِفُوا أَنْ يَقُولُوا وَرَبِّ الْكَعْبَةِ After this Jew made this statement, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم ordered them, meaning his companions, he ordered the Muslims, if anyone wants to make an oath, then he should say, وَرَبِّ الْكَعْبَةِ Don't say, وَالْكَعْبَةِ But say, وَرَبِّ الْكَعْبَةِ By the Lord of the Kaaba. Swear by Allah, who is the Lord of the Kaaba. وَأَيَّقُولُوا مَا شَاءَ اللَّهِ ثُمَّ شِئْتَ And also you may say مَا شَاءَ اللَّهِ It is the will of Allah ثُمَّ شِئْتَ Then your will So that there is no equality between the will of Allah and the will of any, any of His creatures, creatures. Because ثُمَّ as opposed to wow wow is a conjunction that joins two things equally as partners and in equality But ثُمَّ means that it's coming, it is coming after that and it also means that it is of a lower level this hadith has been reported by An-Nasai who declared it to be Sahih. And it has also been reported by another, a number of other scholars including Al-Sahawi in his book Al-Mushkil and Al-Hakim and Al-Mustadrak and Al-Bayhaqi and Al-Sunan and Al-Imam Ahmed rahimahumullah in Al-Musnad. Al-Hakim said that this hadith Sahih Al-Isnad wawafaqahu Al-Zahabi. He said that the Isnad of this hadith is Sahih and Al-Zahabi agreed with him. Al-Shaykh Al-Albani rahimahullah discussed this hadith and said that one of the narrators, Al-Mas'udi, he was mukhtalit, yani he lost his accuracy in narrating in the end of his life. However, he was supported and followed by another narrator which strengthened the hadith and therefore the shaykh declared it also to be authentic. Shaykh Al-Qara'awi, Hafidahullah, says the general meaning of this hadith is that Qutayla, radiallahu anha, informs us that a man from amongst the Jews came to the Prophet and he wanted to defame or to rebuke or to slander or to criticize Islam. So he said, Ya Muhammad, verily you people make shirk with Allah. You swear by other than Allah, like swearing by the Kaaba. And you make shirk with Allah by associating others in his Mashiach, in the will of Allah. Yani, by saying it is the will of Allah and the will of someone other than Allah. MashaAllah wa shi'ta. As a result of this statement from this Yahudi, Fanaha, the Prophet ﷺ prohibited the Muslims from saying such statements, from making such statements, which are a type of shirk, minor shirk. So that the enemies of Islam would not find any place where they could find fault or a weakness in the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to attack or to make any criticism of Islam. Then the Prophet ﷺ, after prohibiting them, he didn't just prohibit it, but he also guided them to the right way, the truthful way uh, in such matters, what they are required to do and what they should do, and that is that if they make an oath, they should make an oath by the Rabb of the Kaaba, Rabb al-Kaaba, of the Kaaba, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and if they join uh, the will of someone to the will of Allah, that they should join it by using the expression Thumma, because Thumma, it doesn't, yani then, then, the expression then, it doesn't indicate tashriq, yani equality or partnership between the two that are joined, as in the case of wow, which indicates equality. Yani in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ, he allowed that a person may join the will of the creature to the will of Allah, if they make it clear that their will is after and subject to and less than the will of Allah, by using the expression summa, mashaAllah, summa, he allowed it, it is permissible. From the benefits of this hadith, and the Shaykh mentions eight of them, the first of them is that the Jews had a knowledge of a shirk al-asqa, minor shirk. Yani, their, make, their attack or their criticism of the Muslims for using such expressions was a proof that they knew about minor shirk. The second of them is that a person's knowing the truth is not an indication that they believe in it. Yani, they know the truth in this matter, however they didn't act in accordance with it. Sometimes somebody knows the truth. They know what is right. But it doesn't mean because they know it that they believe in it. And everyone who espouses the truth 
doesn't mean that they, it does not mean that they believe in it or that they will act in accordance with it. Number three, joining the Mashiach of the Makhluk of the created things to the Mashiach of Allah, the will of Allah, by wow, saying the will of, the, of Allah and the will of the, crea- of the creature, it is shirk asghar, minor shirk, which does not take a person out of Islam. Number four, swearing by other than Allah is also shirk asghar. No matter what was the status of the thing that is sworn by. And in this case, swearing by the Kaaba. In spite of the uh, high status of the Kaaba, amongst all of the houses of Allah, of Allah in the earth, it is the most important of the masajid in the earth. However, it, whatever its status, it doesn't allow that someone may swear by it. Number five, the obligation of accepting the truth, wherever it came from. Whatever its, its source, even if it came from a Kafir, Christian or Jew, or a deviant or enemy of Islam. Number six, also this hadith contains the confirmation of the sifa, the characteristic of al-mashia, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is described as having a will. Number seven, the confirmation of al-mashia, the will also for the creatures. Yani that the human beings or other creatures may also have a will. However, the will of the creatures is subject to, subject to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And number eight, the permissibility of joining the Mashiach, the will of the creatures to the Mashiach, the will of Allah, by using an expression which shows there's a distinction and there's no equality like Thumma. It is allowed, it is permissible. How much time for that, guys? The relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion and the general topic of a Tawheed is that this hadith indicates that the saying, MashaAllah wa shi'ta, and it is the will of Allah and your will, that it is Shirk Asqar. This hadith indicates that such a statement is minor shirk. The second evidence that the Imam mentions is that which is reported by An-Nasai, وَلَهُ أَيْدًا عَنْ إِبْنِ عَبَّاسٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا يعني An-Nasai is also reported, in this case from Ibn Abbas, رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا أَنَّ رَجُلًا قَالَ لَنَبِيِّ صلى الله عليه وسلم مَا شَاءَ اللَّهُ وَشِئْتَ The Imam came to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and said to him, in reference to some matter, مَا شَاءَ اللَّهُ وَشِئْتَ it is the will of Allah and your will. It is as Allah wills and as you will. The Prophet ﷺ responded to him, فَقَالَ أَجَعَلْتَنِي لِلَّهِ نِدًّا Have you made me as a nid for Allah, as an equal, partner, associate with Allah? And here in Mashiach, he said it is as Allah has willed or it will be as Allah has willed and as you will. The Prophet ﷺ considered this as making him as a partner with Allah. Ajjaltani, have you made me? Lillahi niddan, as a partner with Allah. MashaAllah wahda. Some of the narrations or most of the books of Kitab al Tawheed have here, Bel, MashaAllah wahda. Bel, MashaAllah wahda. Rather, you should say, it is the will of Allah alone. MashaAllah wahdahu. It's only Allah's will. And this is different than the previous hadith in which the Prophet allowed somebody to say, MashaAllah, thumma shi'ta. It is your will, it is the will of Allah, and then your will. Here the Prophet took a different position. He said, Bel, MashaAllah, wahdahu. But rather you should say, It is Allah alone. It is His will alone. Uh, this hadith contains a narrative in the Isnad al Ajlaf, Al-Ajlah, Ibn Abdullah al and some of the scholars said that there is difference of opinion, Mukhtalafihi, some of the scholars declare him to be weak, including Imam Ahmed, Abu Hatim, and Nasai, Abu Dawood, and Ibn Sa'ad, while some of the scholars considered him to be reliable thiqah, including Yahya Ibn Ma'in, Yaqub, Ibn Sufyan, and Al-Ajli. Al-Hafiz Ibn Hajj al-Asqalani says in Taqrib, Suduq, Shi'i, Yani Suduq, means that he is of a lesser level than the authentic narrators, but his hadith could be accepted. Also that he is Shi'i. In the early generations of the Muslims, Shi'i didn't mean the, what we call today the Shia, Rafida, but it meant someone who preferred Ali, radiallahu anhu, over Abu Bakr and Umar. Not the beliefs of the Shia today. Not the beliefs of the Shia today. What they meant by Shi'i in that time is different than the people today who we call Shia. In any case, Shaykh al-Bani, rahimahullah, in al-Sahiha, he said that this hadith is Hassan, and it is an acceptable hadith. The Shaykh says in, the, in relation to uh, the general meaning of this hadith, that in this hadith, Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah has informed us that a man came to the Prophet sallallahu concerning some matter of his, 
Uh, and after discussing that matter and taking whatever reply the Prophet gave to him, he said, the man said to the Prophet, MashaAllah wa shi'ta ya Rasulullah. Then it will be according to Allah's will and your will, O Messenger of Allah. Then the Prophet refuted or rebuked or disapproved or censured his saying such a statement, uh, this particular statement, and he informed him that joining the will of the creature to the will of Allah by the use of wow, and making them equal that this is shirk and it is not permissible for the Muslim to make such an expression to say such a thing then he guided him to al-qawl al-haq the truthful saying, statement that should be said and that is bi'an yufrid Allah bil-mashiyah Allah bil-mashiyah it means tawheed Allah to single out Allah alone in matters of mashiyah that it is Allah's will alone and not to join anyone or the will of anyone to the will of Allah by any type of conjunction whatsoever. <laughs> yani, instead of even using such an expression as MashaAllah thumma shayt, though it's permissible, in this hadith the Prophet ﷺ told him don't even use such an expression, but you should make the tawheed or the ifrar of Allah by mentioning His will alone by saying MashaAllah wahdahu. And it is the will of Allah alone. The benefits that the Shaykh has mentioned concerning this hadith is there are four. The first of them is wujub, the obligation of inkar and munkar. It is obligatory to reject or to renounce or to disapprove of that which is evil. And munkar, it includes the one who has done something prohibited as well as the one who has abandoned that which is obligatory. It is obligatory to reject or to renounce or to censure the one who has engaged in a munkar, an evil. Number two, the other for the jahil due to his ignorance yani that a person who is ignorant he has an excuse yani he is excused by his ignorance the companion of the Prophet ﷺ in this case didn't know such he was excused the Prophet ﷺ corrected him uh, for saying and he told him what is the right thing to say however from this we understand that a person who doesn't know has an excuse due to his ignorance however this rule of al-udr bil-jahil Yani that somebody is excused due to their ignorance is not an absolute rule. It's not something absolute, but it is the person is excused as long as they make some effort to know, to research or to ask. Not that we should just remain ignorant, don't try to learn, and then say whatever we have not done correct, we will be excused for on Yawm Qiyamah. It is not so. But we are required to learn and we are required to ask. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered us, فَسَلُوا أَهْلُ ذِكْرٍ كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ If you don't know, ask the people of the reminder, the people of knowledge. And the Prophet ﷺ said that it is obligatory on every Muslim to seek knowledge. Number three, that joining the Mashiach, of the, the will of the creature with the Mashiach of Allah by wow, by the use of wow, making them equal, it is minor shirk. And number four, the confirmation of difficult Mashiach lillahi ta'ala, that Allah ﷻ does indeed have the characteristic of al-Mashiach, will. That he wills. And whatever he wants, he wills it. The relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion in the general topic of the Tawheed is that this hadith indicates that the saying, MashaAllah wa shi'ta, it is the will of Allah and your will, that it is, this hadith indicates that it is shirk asqar, that it is minor shirk, it is prohibited, not allowed for Muslims to use such an expression. Mulahaba, a note, the Shaykh says here that the reconciliation or gem between this hadith, and the hadith under discussion, bel, MashaAllah wahda, that we should say it is the will of Allah alone, and the statement of the Prophet in previous hadith, قُلْ مَا شَاءَ اللَّهُ ثُمَّ شِعْتَ Say it is the will of Allah and then your will. The reconciliation or the combining between these two statements is that a person saying, it is the will of Allah, then your will, it is the will of Allah and then your will, is jaiz, is permissible, is allowed to do so. Because it clearly makes a distinction between the will of Allah and the will of the creature. However, he's saying, مَا شَاءَ اللَّهُ وَحْدَهُ to say it is the will of Allah alone is afdal, is preferable because it is the kamal of tawheed. It is the perfection of tawheed that we single out Allah alone, not join anyone to Him in any way whatsoever. This is better, is preferable, is the perfection of tawheed. The last evidence that the Imam mentions, rahimahullah, uh, is a statement which uh, has been reported by Ibn Majah. And there is also some discussion about its isnad, about its authenticity. However, and amongst those scholars who have mentioned it, is Al-Busiri who said that the narratives in isnad are thicker. They are reliable according to the conditions of Al-Bukhari. 
And Imam Ahmed also narrated it with some added wording which we will mention as we mentioned the hadith. And Shaykh al-Albani in a sahihah uh, declared this hadith to be sahih. Ibn Majah an tufail akhi Aisha li ummiha radiyallahu anhum ajma'in. Yani, this hadith is reported from Ibn Majah on the authority of At-Tufail radiyallahu anhu who was the brother of Aisha li ummiha the brother of Aisha from her mother yani, the half-brother of Aisha he was uh, yani, he and Aisha had the same mother radiyallahu anha radiyallahu anhu Paul, he said, Tufail said ra'aytu yani, he saw like in a dream in his sleep ka'anni ataytu ala nafarin min al-yahud as though I came across a small group, Nafarin. It says Nafarin, it means between 3 and 10. A small group of people from amongst the Jews. He said to them, Verily, you people, you are indeed a good people. If it wasn't for your saying that Uzair is the son of Allah, Uzair was one of the prophets from Bani Israel, and they raised him up to the status as being a son of Allah as the Christians have done with Isa salam. He said that you are a good people. You would really be the people if not for your saying that Uzay is the son of Allah, meaning if not for their shirk, falling their religion by shirk. Qalu wa innakum and some of the narrations wa antum la antum al qawmu lawla annakum taquluna ma sha Allah wa sha Muhammad. Then they replied to him. They answered him by saying Verily you, meaning the Muslims, you people, you are the people, you are a good people. If it were not for your saying, it is the will of Allah and the will of Muhammad. Likewise, you have fallen into shirk. Even if it is minor shirk, because you say it is the will of Allah and the will of your Prophet Muhammad. ثُمَّ مَرَرْتُ بِنَفَرٍ مِنَ النَّصَارَى فَقُلْتُ عِنَّكُمْ لَأَنْتُمَ الْقَوْمُ لَوْلَا أَنَّكُمْ تَقُولُونَ الْمَصِيحُ بْنُ اللَّهِ he came across a small group of Christians and he said to them, Verily, you are a good people. If it were not for your saying that Al-Masih, the Messiah, the Christ, that he is the son of Allah. Yani, if not for their falling into shirk. قالوا, they also responded to him and refuted him by saying, وَإِنَّكُمْ لَأَنْتُمَ الْقَوْمُ لَوْلَا أَنَّكُمْ تَقُولُونَ مَا شَاءَ اللَّهُ وَشَاءَ مُحَمَّدٍ That also you are a good people. You would be the people if not for your saying, it is the will of Allah and the will of your Prophet Muhammad sallallahu فَلَمَّا أَصْبَحْتُ أَخْبَرْتُ بِهَا مَنْ أَخْبَرْتُ ثُمَّ أَتَيْتُ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فَأَخْبَرْتُهُ Tufail رضي الله عنه He said then when I woke up in the morning I informed those who I informed يعني about his experience, his dream and then I went to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and informed him قال هل أخبرت بها أحد أحدا Then the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said to him Have you informed anyone about this? قُلْتُ نَعَمْ I said, yes, I have. قَالَ Then the Prophet ﷺ, addressing the people, قَالَ The narrator says, فَحَمِدَ اللَّهِ وَأَثْنَ عَلَيْهِ The Prophet ﷺ praised Allah and exalted him. Addressing the people, in reference to this dream of Tufayr رضي الله عنه, the Prophet ﷺ began his speech by praising Allah and exalting him. ثُمَّ قَالَ أَمَّا بَعْدِ Then he said, and as for what precedes or what comes after that, فَإِنَّ تُفَيْلًا رأى رؤيا أخبر بها من أخبر منكم وإنكم قلتم كلمة كان يمنعني نعم طيب The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم addressed the people by saying that verily Tufail has seen a vision or a dream يعني this dream was a رؤيا صالحة a true dream, a righteous dream, which contains that which is correct. He saw a, a vision or a dream, and he has informed about it, those amongst you whom he has informed. Then the Prophet ﷺ, after talking about that dream, he said to them, وَإِنَّكُمْ قُلْتُمْ كَلِمَةً And verily, you were saying a word, and you were saying something, the people, the Muslims used to say something, كَانَ يَمْنَعُنِي كَذَا وَكَذَا أَنْ أَنْهَاكُمْ أَنْهَا And I was prevented by such and such. By something which is not mentioned in this narration, and some of the narrations, the narration of Imam Ahmed, he said that he was prevented by al haya by shyness or modesty, any shyness. Uh, he said, I was prevented by such and such from prohibiting you from saying this word, yani this expression that you used to say. At this time, the Prophet informed them that you used to say something, and previously I had been prevented. 
from prohibiting you from it, but now I will prohibit you after that dream. فَلَا تَقُولُوا The Prophet said, Therefore do not say, MashaAllah wa Shah Muhammad. And they used to say that. And the Prophet he was prevented by something, prohibiting them from making it haram, but at this point he prohibited them. He said, don't say, it is the will of Allah and the will of Muhammad. لَكِنْ قُولُوا But what you should say is, MashaAllah wahdahu. You should say it is the will of Allah alone. Some of the scholars have mentioned what was the thing that prevented the Prophet ﷺ. It wasn't his shyness from prohibiting that which is wrong, but it was his shyness from prohibiting them from something which he disapproved of, but he had not yet been ordered by Allah to prohibit it. He was shy to prohibit them from something that was commonly on their tongue. It was frequently mentioned, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had not yet ordered him to prohibit it. So he was shy to prohibit them until the command came from Allah. And when the command came from Allah in this, the righteous dream of one of the companions of the Prophet then at that point he prohibited them. And this is also a proof as some of the scholars said that a shirk is of two types, major shirk and minor shirk. Minor shirk, it was not prohibited in the beginning. But by degrees, it was later prohibited. As, it is in, as the Prophet ﷺ informed them here. As for major shirk, from the very beginning the Prophet ﷺ prohibited it. But this he didn't prohibit them from it. Though it was a type of shirk, it was major shirk. And then when that dream, yani, he, when he was informed about it, then he prohibited the Muslims from making such an expression. The Shaykh says here that Tufail radiallahu anhu informs us that he had a dream. And he saw in it some Jews and some Christians and he praised each of those groups and he also criticized them. And that they had fallen into shirk by attributing sonship to Allah or attributing sonship to some of the prophets of Allah that they were his son. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is free of such a thing. Then he informed us, radiallahu anhu, that the Yahud, the, the Jews and the Christians, they exchanged with him uh, the same type of feeling. They praised the Muslims and then they also criticized the Muslims for what they had fallen into of shirk, that is shirk and mashia, joining the will of Allah to the will of the Messenger of Allah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam by using the expression wow, yani the will of Allah and the will of the Prophet. Then when he woke up he went to the Prophet sallallahu and the Prophet sallallahu stood up in front of the people and made a speech after praising Allah and glorifying him he prohibited the Muslims from coupling or joining the will of the creatures to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he ordered them and yuwahidullah bil mashiyah to make the tawheed of Allah in reference to mashiyah and in reference to all matters, that we should declare Allah to be alone and unique in those things that are His exclusive right. And then He informed them, or then He ordered, uh, informed them that He disliked their saying when they used to say it before. However, He had not been ordered to make inkar or to reject or to censure them for such a thing. Then, when the order came through Ar-Ru'ya al-Saliha, the righteous dream, He yani, censured them for saying so, and He did not fear the truth or وَلَمْ يَخَفْ فِي الْحَقِّ لَوْمَةِ yani he did not fear in reference to the truth speaking the truth he did not fear whoever would blame yani those who would blame he didn't fear them but he spoke the truth and this is a proof that he wasn't shy from making yani from rejecting or disapproving of that which was wrong that wasn't the reason because when the order came to prohibit it he immediately prohibited it and he didn't care what anyone would say whoever would blame but he prohibited what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made haram. Uh, the benefit that the Shaykh mentions from this hadith quickly is number one, the virtue or the excellence of Tufail radiallahu anhu. This is the virtue for him that due to his dream the Prophet was prohibiting the people from that which was a type of shirk. Number two, the confirmation of will for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, al-Mashiyah. Number three, the prohibition of joining the Mashiyah of the creatures to the, to the Mashiyah of Allah by using the expression Wow, because this is a type of major, minor shirk. Number four, that the ru'ya, saliha, the righteous dream, could in some cases be a cause, a sabab, not a basis, but it could be a cause, for the legislation of some rules or some laws in the time of the Prophet wasallam. And as long as the righteous dream does not contain anything which opposes the sharia, then it could be a cause of a ruling in a matter, as it was in the dream of Ibrahim salam in sacrificing his son. It was a dream that he had. And then Allah exchanged it for an animal. 
And likewise in the dream of Abdullah ibn Zayd when he had the dream about the Adhan. And that was the basis of the Adhan being legislated and likewise in the case of Tufail in this hadith. Yani that the dream was the basis for some legal position. Also in this hadith it contains the goodness of the character وسلم, as he used to be open with the people. He didn't screen himself or separate him, him, himself from the people. And then he mentions four things that are mashru'ah, that are legislated in Islam. The first of them is beginning the khutbah with the praise and glorification of Allah. The second of them is the legislation of giving a khutbah in reference to important matters. And it wasn't Yawm Jum'ah, but it was an important matter. The Prophet ﷺ stood in front of the people and addressed them. The third one is the legislation of saying, Amma Ba'd. After opening with words of praise of Allah, separating those words with what he wants to say in the khutbah by the expression, Amma Ba'd. Then to proceed, or what follows, as for what follows. The fourth of those things that are legislated is At-Tasabbut wa Adam At-Tasarru' fil umur That we should confirm something. We should be sure about what we are doing and not be hasty in يعني, making a move on any particular matter but we should always be sure about what we do before we jump into something or make a decision about a matter as the Prophet ﷺ disliked them saying so those expressions but he waited until he was sure about it when Allah gave him the go ahead and the prohibition through that righteous dream then he prohibited the people the last, of, the last point that he mentions is the command to single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his Mashiach, to make the Tawheed of Allah in reference to his will. The relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion and Kitab al-Tawheed in general is that this hadith indicates the prohibition of joining the Mashiach of the creatures with the Mashiach of Allah by using wow, because wow indicates tashriq, partnership between those two things that are joined by it, and this leads to shirk, yani shirk with Allah. Uh, the masail that the Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab has mentioned at the end of this chapter are many. You can just read them quickly, but the explanation of them, there's no time. And the first of them is that the Jews had knowledge of minor shirk. And in their criticism of the Muslims. And in other hadith. Number two is the understanding of a person while he is under the control of his, his desires, his hawa. Yani, that even though the Jews were following their hawa, their desires, and not following the truth, but still they understood something in the matter of shirk, and they used that understanding to criticize the Muslims. And also from this we can understand that some of the people would twist the truth that they know, that they understand while they are on deviation, they will twist it in order to support their deviation or to oppose the people of truth. The third of those issues is the saying of the Prophet ﷺ, have you made me as a nid, as, an, as a partner and equal with Allah? Yani in, in reference to him saying, it is the will of Allah and your will, he said, have you made me as a partner to Allah? So what about the one who says, such as the poetry of one of the uh, poets who said, Mali man aludhu bihi siwak. Yani I, have, I don't have anyone that I may seek refuge in other than you, meaning the Prophet ﷺ. His praise of the Prophet he said, I have no one to seek refuge in other than you. And then, بَعْدَهُ And there are also two other lines after it. From amongst those lines is clear shirk also, in which he said, فَإِنَّ مِنْ جَوْدِكَ الدُّنْيَا وَضَرَّتِهَا And it is from the generosity or the bounty of the Prophet ﷺ, the whole world. And the world belongs to him. وَمِنْ عُلُومُكَ إِلْمَ اللَّهُ الْقَلَمُ and from your knowledge, from the knowledge, the knowledge of the Prophet ﷺ includes the knowledge of the law and the qalam, and the law al-mahfuz, which is the knowledge that belongs to Allah alone. And it is clear shirk. So he said, yani, Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, Allah is saying, if the Prophet ﷺ considered making shirk with him, that somebody said an expression like, it is the will of Allah in your will, what about those who make such grave, severe statements of shirk and kufr, as we found from amongst the, some of the Muslims of the later days? The fourth issue, uh, that such expressions are not major shirk. And the proof of this is the saying of the Prophet ﷺ, يَمْنَعُنِي كَذَا وَكَذَا yani That I was pro- prohibited by such and such. I was prohibited yani from making, uh, I was restricted, or I was restrained or prevented from prohibiting these statements at that time, until now, which is a proof that those statements, though they were shirk, they were not major shirk. Because if they were major shirk, nothing would have prevented him 
from prohibiting them. Therefore, this is a proof, or <coughs> any that these statements are not major shirk, that they are minor shirk. The fourth uh, issue is the issue of that the righteous dream is min aqsam al wahi. It is a type of revelation. In this discussion, we have discussed previously and in reference to another matter. Uh, and just in brief, we will say the hadith of the Prophet recorded by Al Bukhari and Muslim from Abu Huraira. Arroya Saliha juz'un min sittatin wa arba'ina juz'an min al nubuwa. That the righteous dream is one part of 46 parts of the parts of prophethood. Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthameen said that this is also confirmed in reference to the Prophet specifically because his prophethood was for 23 years. And the Ru'ya Saliha that he used to receive took place for six months until the perfect revelation came to him, direct revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for six months. And those six months was one part of 46 parts of the 23 years. If you divide that part six months, if you divide the 23 years of the perfect revelation that came to him, then it is one in 26 parts. The Shaykh says that, that this is also, and it means that in reference to the Prophet of the Prophet it is exact and specific that Ru'ya Saliha is one in 46 parts of prophethood. However, in reference to other people, it is a part of prophethood. And he's a person who has a righteous dream. Uh, and then he also said those people who have dreams that are confused uh, and that have no meaning or that contradict the Sharia, they have no basis or they have no consideration in them. The last point that the Shaykh mentions of the Messiah is أَنَّهَا قَدْ تَقُونُ سَبَبًا لِشَرْعَ بَعْدِ الْأَحْكَامِ يعني that the Ruhya الصالحة in some cases, it might be a reason, a sabab, for the legislation of some rulings. And we have already talked about this, yani, uh, when it was mentioned originally, that in some cases, the righteous dream, it had been the basis, or it had been the cause of some ruling, yani, in reference to, in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, or even before his time in the case of Ibrahim The questions, quick, quickly, uh, why is it prohibited to say it is Allah's will and your will? Yani, briefly, it is because of the use of the expression wow, and, and he joining the will of Allah to the creatures. Why is it prohibited to say by the Kaaba, since the Kaaba is the Baytullah al Haram, the sacred house of Allah? Because the Kaaba is a makhluk, a created thing, and we cannot swear except by the Creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and His names and characteristics. Number three, how should one respond to a deviant Muslim who calls you to something which happens to be true? And the response to the person who is off the path, off the correct path, and, and not in, and inclined to the sunnah, is just as the response of the Prophet ﷺ was to the kuffar, the disbelievers, the pagans, and the Christians and Jews, is that the truth, wherever it comes from, we should accept it and act upon it. What did the Prophet ﷺ mean by saying, have you set me up as a need with Allah, as a partner, or an equal with Allah? He meant that by making my will equal to the will of Allah, this is shirk is making something as a need with Allah, an equal. Number five, give an example of Ar-Ru'ya Saliha, the righteous dream being the cause or sabab of a legal ruling in Islam. This is this hadith that the Prophet ﷺ prohibited his companions from saying something which was minor shirk as a result of a righteous dream that came from one of his companions. What was the saying which the companions were saying or the word which the Prophet ﷺ had initially been prevented from forbidding them from saying it was saying, MashaAllah wa shi'ta. MashaAllah wa sha'a Muhammad and it is Allah's will and your will or the will of Muhammad uh, why was this matter described as such and such or why was this matter described as such and such that it should be what was this matter what was this matter that is described as such and such that prevented the Prophet from prohibiting the companions from using this expression MashaAllah wa sha'a Muhammad the thing that was described as such and such it was his haya, his modesty or his shyness of prohibiting something before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the order to prohibit it. Though he knew that it was something detestable. It was his shyness in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number eight, what is the difference between the two sayings? It is Allah's will, then your will, and it is as Allah alone wills. The difference is that it is Allah's will, then your will, shows that there is a distinction between the two wills and one is less and subordinate to the other. However, though it is allowed, the, more per- the perfection of a tawheed is to single out Allah as being the one whose will is executed to the exclusion uh, of anyone else. What is the hukum or legal ruling concerning al-halif, swearing by other than Allah, al-halif, swearing by other than Allah, al-halif, 
What is the ruling concerning swearing by Allah? Allah? It is prohibited. It is haram and it is minor shirk. As for the benefits or the fawaid or ahkam or legal rulings, they are that which we have discussed under each uh, topic. If there are any questions or comments or corrections, I don't know if there's any time before the ifama. Hey, just uh, one or two questions. If there are any questions from the sisters, send them to us quickly. Tafadda yaati. Naam? In any case, the Mus'haf, the book itself, is not, it is not from the Sunnah or the instruction or guidance of the Prophet ﷺ that we should swear on the Mus'haf. However, the Qur'an, meaning the Kalamullah, the speech of Allah, it is a sifa of the sifat of Allah. Speech is a sifa of Allah and the Qur'an is from the speech of Allah. If we swear by the speech of Allah, it is from his characteristics. However, taking a book, the Mus'haf, which contains the written speech of Allah, is different. It is not legislated in Islam and it is not from the Sunnah and Allah knows best. Naam. It doesn't nullify Islam, but it means that, like all of the other statements in which the Prophet ﷺ said that I am anabariyun min, I am free of the one who does or who says or who acts in such a way, it means that it is a, se- a severe matter. It indicates that it is of the kabair, the major sins, uh, and in this case it is an act of shirk and so on. However, it doesn't mean that the person is out of Islam, because all of these expressions, basically they are minor shirk. It doesn't take a person out of Islam. But the meaning of it is to show the severity that the person who says such a thing, or who rejects, and in this case rejects, the statement of someone who attempts to confirm their truthfulness by swearing by the name of Allah, then we should be pleased with that, it is sufficient for us that they have sworn by the name of Allah if they are lying their lies against yourself. And our accepting what they have said because they have used the name of Allah is for us. That we have credit with Allah, that we have glorified Him.